morning. Those of us that were brave did not sleep. That's why it's called brave. You go and you're brave. You don't sleep. You laugh. You cry. You rejoice. You receive from the Lord. You eat a little bit of chocolate. And then we come back. It's been so wonderful. Last night, as I was sleeping, I heard what I thought were trash cans being taken out by the neighbor. Because like in our house, I can hear the neighbor when they roll out those big tubs. But it just kept going. I'm thinking, how many trash cans does a neighbor have? And then I realized, it's thunder. Your thunder never ends. Your thunder's like my one year. It, ne- it just goes on and on. <laughs> and then I had to stab just to listen to the next one. I'm like, good night. Our thunder, like our lightning's like, beep, right? And then thunder, that's it. But your lightning, like I can get up, go to the bathroom, come back. It's still going. (laughs) This is awesome. This is awesome. Well, Jerry sends his greetings. He said, hug everybody. So here, I'm hugging you. He wishes he could be here with you. But we are planning on coming out this fall, I believe in October. We're confirmed to come out, both of us. So I'm happy for him because uh, it fills his heart to be able to travel and see the different campuses as well. We love your lead pastors, Daniel and Julie. You're very blessed. When we talk about uh, some of our best leaders, Daniel and Julie are always in that conversation. They have high capacity. They have deep passion. And the Lord's done a deep work in Daniel and in Julia. Even from last year, um, I came and I saw and I thought, man, Daniel is leading at a whole new level. And uh, yes, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And we couldn't have found better partners in ministry to entrust this part of the nation to. Uh, Pray for California. (laughs) Right? It's a good place. It's a good place. It's a good place. Uh, It does have its quirks. And uh, it is a field that is ripe. Every, every state has its thing. You all have a lot of mosquitoes. Okay? <laughs> I had to run from the house into the van, and three mosquitoes joined us. And there's Julia. I'm trying to swipe. I'm not used to it, but Julia's like, hey, one, hey, two. I'm like, and she's driving and talking on the cell. I'm like, good. No, just kidding. She is mosquito. Waha. Right? So you all have a little bit of your stuff, too. But God is doing great things. This is the greatest days for the body of Christ because of what God has in his heart for this time and this day. Now, I know you wanted to see my family. You wanted to see photos. And so I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to have to show it to you, but I don't want to disappoint you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. So I wanted you to see our daughter and her husband of almost six months now. Izzy, he is on staff at our church. I said, you go, girl, marry a staff member of The Rock. You're smart. When they were uh, about that almost engaged stage, we told her, if you don't keep him, we still are. So he is an amazing young man with such a call of God as as, uh, Alexa is. And it's really fun to see them grow in their marriage. Then we have a son. And his beautiful wife, who is a daughter. And look at that little munchkin in the middle. Come on. I get to kiss on her tonight. Oh, I can hardly stand it. This is, 
we'll go fast. We only have a hundred more to go. There she is at about 11 months. And here she is with her papa. She loves her papa. And her papa is smitten. 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 Jerry stays on budget for me. He does not stay on budget for her. Smitten, okay? Let me just tell you. Uh, she has won our hearts, and there are more coming. Is beautiful. Many more to come. If you have a Bible, would you open your Bible to Song of Solomon? Song of Solomon. Some of you are like, Song of Solomon in church? Are we allowed to read Song of Solomon in church? It's a beautiful book in the Bible. If you've never read it and you're married, read it. If you haven't read it and you're single, wait. (laughs) Song of Solomon, chapter 2. I want us to read verses 10 through 12. Song of Solomon. It's after Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 10 says this. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. Actually, a pastor friend of mine sent this to me a few weeks ago. She sent me an email saying some, giving some updates and then shared that scripture. I was just reading an email. But as I read that scripture, it is like the Lord stopped and said, let me read it to you. And here are the two phrases that stood out. For lo, the winter is past. The time of singing has come. I don't know if you've ever had that experience when you're reading the Bible. And, and though every word of the Bible is true, it is like a highlighter goes on into a certain passage. And it is there's the written word, but then there's the rhema word. It is God taking what of what is written and beginning to declare it to you as a now word. And I knew that wasn't just an email. It wasn't just my friend sending a scripture. God used her to speak something to me of what he was doing now. So I said, Lord, I thank you. I received it for, uh, for me, for our family. But it wasn't just for me, for my family. The Lord began to minister to me. This is a word for the people of the rock. This is a word for us, not just me, not just certain leaders. You are the rock. We are the rock. This is for the people of the rock. That God is coming and saying, for lo, the winter is past. The time of singing has come. I have to. I shared this message last weekend in our Anaheim campus, and I didn't want to just come and share the same thing if God had something else in mind. But I knew He said, "No, no, no, share this word. This is for my people." And so last uh, weekend, when I said the winter is past, I had to explain what winter looks like, because in California, <laughs> oh, it is sixty-eight degrees outside. We're freezing, and did you see that heavy sprinkle? Oh, we're in the middle of winter, right? I've been to Michigan in winter. I've been to Nebraska in January and February. We did a women's conference in Nebraska, and I think it was in February, and it was it got to minus 12. 
I had my coat on. I was as happy as could be, right? Because I belong in the cold. I've offered to open a, a campus in Alaska. That just seems right to me. But there I am. There we are, minus 12. And I'm like, oh, I'm freezing. This is amazing. And the people that were with me, what were you thinking? They're from California, Arizona, Arizona, right? What were you thinking bringing us out here in the middle of winter? Winter can be very dark. It can be gloomy. It can be constantly stormy. It can be uncomfortable. It can even be miserable. It can feel really long. It can feel like you wake up, you open the windows, and it's dark again, again, again. That dreary feeling. The only birds you hear at wintertime are the... I found out they're crows. <laughs> though I'm not talking, and I don't believe God is talking about the season, even though winter is supposed to be past, and it is because it is humid outside. It's talking about the winter season of our hearts, of our lives. There are seasons that we go through that feel dreary, they feel dark, they feel barren. Winter looks like barren. In Nebraska, I'll never forget, flat, covered in snow, and you see these brown sticks. And you think, will life ever <laughs> come again? Will blooming ever happen? And sometimes in our lives, those seasons feel like barrenness, barrenness, barrenness. Will there ever actually be blooming? Will we actually ever get out of this season of just sometimes, listen, just doing what you got to do to get by. And the Lord comes with a word for you, you individually. I don't know your situations, but the God who knows your situations came and said, say this, because this is what I'm saying. For lo, your winter is past. Your winter is past. That gloominess, that barrenness, that darkness, maybe that oppression, that situation that doesn't seem like it's ever going to change. Your winter is past. When God came to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, you have to remember the children of Israel had an opportunity to enter the promised land. That was God's will. He took them out of Egypt to bring them into the promised land. God never takes you out of a place of bondage and slavery to leave you in the middle called the wilderness. He always brings you out of something to bring you into something so much better. But a generation of, of his children refused to believe him. And they tested God over and over and over again. And when they faced difficulties, instead of saying, God, you who brought us out will continue to bring us in. But instead, they began to complain and to doubt God and to murmur against God. It said even in their tents, they would complain against God like God can't hear you. And they would say things like, why did you bring us out here just to let us die in the wilderness? And after about 10 times of doing that, when they had an opportunity to take, in, take the promised land, they complained against God, and they said, you've just brought us out to kill us because they saw the enemies. And God said, I've intended to bring you in this whole time. But because of your refusal to believe what I say, and because of what keeps coming out of your mouth, let it be according to what you've said, you will die in the wilderness. And that your children, those that you said would suffer, are the ones that I'm going to bring in. 
But that generation, all the ones that were 20 or 20 above 20, God said, you're going to die in the wilderness, and then I will bring the younger generation in. So when God comes to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, he says this to Joshua. He says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua, I think, already knew Moses was dead. But God wasn't stating a fact. God was stating a truth, and God was declaring the season of the wilderness, the season of waiting for something to change is now over. Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. That season is over. And then God gives Joshua instructions. Now, therefore, since he's dead, since the season is over, arise and go to the land that I am giving to you. Go to the land. Arise. Get up from where you are and begin to walk towards what I said you would have. When God spoke that to Joshua, nothing in the natural, nothing in this earth, none of the circumstances had changed. See, this is where Christians get a little confused because we're used to living in a world where we live by what we see, what we hear, what we think, what we touch. And we're so used to living by those things that we think the kingdom of God is that way. That once we see something change, now we believe God. In the kingdom of God, God always comes with a word. Nothing has changed yet on the outside, but God comes with the word. It changes you on the inside, and as you change on the inside and begin to walk out what God says, everything else begins to change. So when God comes to Joshua and said, Moses, my servant, is dead, get up and start going towards the land I've given to you, there were still enemies there. He hadn't taken the enemies out. There was still a wall called the wall of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that the children of Israel were supposed to take. And that city was built with walls around them. If you've never gone to Israel, you need to go. And Jerry takes people every year to Israel. You ask God to provide for you to go. It is worth you going. But in Jericho, the city has these thick walls around the city. I'm talking thick. I'm not talking U.S. kind of walls. I'm talking they could build houses on top of those walls. The place was securely shut up. Nobody could go in. Nobody could go out. When God told Joshua, get up and start going to the land, all of that was still the same. But what made the difference is God spoke. Joshua heard, heard, because we can hear a lot of things. But you know you've heard when it actually changes the way you live. When what you're hearing doesn't change the way you live, you only heard with these ears, not with the spirit. Joshua heard what God was saying, and it caused him to act. So Joshua got up from that wilderness and said, people, we're moving in. And their, their direction changed. Their view changed. They were no longer on hold waiting for someday. No, no, no. Now is the time. And as they began to walk out what God said, they begin to take the land. And then God gives them this really interesting strategy on how to bring down walls. I told you Jericho was the first city they had to take. And God, who is an architect, says, here's how we're taking the walls down. March around them seven times. And then on the last day, don't say anything while you're marching, but on the last day, shout. Because every good architect and builder knows that's how you take down walls. You don't need bulldoze, all that. No, no, no. You just shout at it. 
and they come down. And so Joshua said, well, Lord, that makes sense. Absolutely. Hey, guys, here, here's how we're taking the walls down. We're going to shout at them. And everybody's like, yeah, that, well, of course. Hello. We get stumped because the way that God sees things is the right way. But again, we are so used to the natural way. So God will speak things that will absolutely bring the results that he said would bring. But they're so opposite of what our minds think that we don't take it seriously enough. Therefore, we don't do what he says and we don't experience what he said. He tells Joshua, tell the people, march around. And when it's time to shout, tell them shout. And as they shouted, the walls came down. They had no hammers. I don't know how you take down walls, but they didn't have whatever instruments you would use now, tools you would use now to take down walls. They didn't touch them. They shouted. Why did it work? Because try shouting at walls now. It worked because God said. It worked because God said. When God says, it works. So the word to you this morning, you can take it as a, oh, that was a nice message. She came to encourage us. Yay for her. And you'll live life tomorrow the same way. Or you can realize, no, 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 God is coming to speak something. He uses human beings, imperfect ones, to speak his perfect word. And his word to you is for lo, the winter is past. That season of barrenness, of gloominess, of darkness, it's past. And the time of singing has come. The time of singing has come. See, the instruction to Joshua was shout at the walls. Our instruction on how to take and walk in what God has for us is sing at the walls. Sing. Sing. Some of you have beautiful voices. You're used to singing. Some of us... Just sing. I always think I sound like this. This is how I hear me. Right? That's how I, I'm like, nasal. I wanted to have a voice like, like Angie, I could just burst out. Lead you boldly. Right? No, I just have a voice. But to the Lord, when my voice is singing out in faith, over his goodness, I sound better than Angie to him. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, I, we sound so good to him because what he hears is what's coming from here. And it sounds like this beautiful melody to our God. Sing. The time of singing has come. Any of you ever watched Mary Poppins? Raise your hand. See, again, I shared this last, last Sunday in Anaheim. How many of you know about Mary Poppins? I was like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Mary Poppins, uh, our, when our kids were little, uh, we watched Mary Poppins, and Mary Poppins is a caretaker of little high-maintenance children, right? They're a little high-maintenance. But Mary Poppins has this way about her that no matter what she faces, she just sings her way right through it. Even about medicine. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Medicine, right? It makes the kids want, my kids were like, can we take medicine? Yeah, sure, you know, it's like, why? Because there was this singing. 
everything was about singing. One of my favorite uh, portions of it is when they do the I love to laugh. Jerry and I just watched it the other day. We were in bed. I said, let's watch that. I love to laugh. And we just started laughing. <laughs> Welcome to our Dearman household. <laughs> this is who we are. But there was something about her. And it was this joyful countenance and singing no matter what. And my kids were, oh, they love that. Well, I told them, I will not be outdone by Mary Poppins. <laughs> so I said, welcome to my new name, Kimberly Dearman Mary Poppins. That's who I am. And so I began to sing through stuff. And sometimes with kids, that's not always easy, right? You will do your work. You will do your work, <laughs> right? Uh, they would actually start laughing out because I continued in it. I still break out into song. Some of it is 80s songs, but they're not quite as spiritual. But I just burst into songs all the time. And my kids at one point, they were like, do you have to sing about everything? I said, I think so. I just enjoy, right? Singing requires a lightheartedness. It requires, it, 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 when you are pressed and oppressed and frustrated and confused and under pressure and turmoil, the natural thing is not to sing. It's to either stay quiet or to yell or to get frustrated. But singing expresses, I have no cares. Singing expresses, I'm not worried. It expresses, I know who's with me. And it requires faith because God's calling us to sing before the circumstances change. But his word is the winter is past. The winter is past and the time of singing has come. I know that Angie read this to us this morning, but I want us to look at Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Verses 1 through 3. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry out loud. It's not a weeping of sorrow. It's a crying out loud. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. Here's what God is saying. You who have not born any children, you who have been barren, you who are desolate, Begin to sing and break forth into singing. In other words, bust out in song. That's the Dearman version. Bust out in song. You who have not seen breakthrough in your life. Begin to bust out into song. For. Because. There's a reason why. God's not just trying to get, make you a, a, a happier person. He's not trying to just make you sing for no reason. Hold on till Jesus comes back. No, he's saying there's a reason why I want you to sing. Because in the singing, what you're going to experience is that you're going to find that you will bear more children than the one who is able to bear children and has been married. Has a resource for children. You who aren't married, you who, are, who don't have a husband to depend on, you who have not been able to bear before, guess what? It's your time to bear. It's your time to be fruitful. More will be the children of those who have a God who they sing to, they believe in, than the one who has the natural ability to do it. And then verse 2 says, enlarge the place of your tent. 
enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, Daniel, for you shall expand. The rock, Kalamazoo, for you shall expand. You shall expand. In other words, God's saying, sing, because you're going to have many babies, you who haven't had any babies. And don't just sing. Prepare the nurseries. And don't just prepare one nursery. Build some different rooms, more rooms. Don't, 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 don't shorten it. Stretch out. Stretch out because many will be your children. But when does he tell you to sing? Sing before there's any sign that children are coming. Joshua, while the enemies are still there, while the, while the walls are still high, begin to move forward. Shout at those walls. Do what I say, because when I tell you to do something, my power backs you doing it. So when you're singing, you're not just singing with your voice. As you're singing, because God says you are to sing, the power of God comes into your situations. Listen, I shared this last Sunday, and the testimonies that have come in, the stories that have come in, in just one week, physical healings by singing over their bodies. Not in a worship service. One young woman woke up in such excruciating pain. She said it felt like a knife had gone into her and it was being twisted. And she sat up in the bed in the middle of the night and told her husband, you need to take me to ER. You need to take me to ER. And he sat up and he just, he prayed over her and they were getting ready to go. And she remembered, sing, break forth into singing. Winter's past. The time of singing has come. She said, I laid my hand on my womb, and I began to sing in my pain-filled voice in the midnight. Began to sing healing over my womb. And she said, within a few moments, all the pain was gone. And she said, not only the pain, but there was such peace. We went back to sleep. Because, see, the pain gone is gone, but sometimes it's like, but what happened? Now, everything's good. I'm going back to sleep. No issues. Another person, completely miraculous stuff that took place. Somebody else, <laughs> they went into work and their boss said, oh, I meant to tell you, you're getting a raise. She told her mom, I've been singing over my finances this week. I've been singing over. It was that aha moment of you sing because God said, and he'll bring it to pass. So can you imagine? How did you get a raise? I sang. <laughs> I sang. How did your body experience such healing? Oh, I sang. How did the Jericho, how did these walls come down? We shouted. When God says, and we receive what God says, enough that we do what God says, we get to see what God does. It's powerful. It's powerful. Listen to me. There have been seasons of my life where God has instructed me the way to victory is you're going to intercede in a military stance. We had to fight for our daughter some years ago, and it was a long winter. It was about three years, two, it felt like a hundred, but two or three years of winter fighting for her. There were times it looked and it felt so dark, it almost felt like we've lost her completely. 
I've never held my husband weeping like I did. We'd go to bed at night holding hands, declaring the prophetic words over her. Saying, God, you're faithful. All of our children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be their peace. Ache in our hearts. Still preaching boldly because the word is truth. But with ache in our hearts, saying wrong decision after wrong decision, militarily standing on behalf of her, denying the right of the enemy to bring any destruction, permanent destruction into her life. The winter's passed. Now to see her with a godly man, wonderful young man. As a matter of fact, a few weeks ago, the Lord told her, quit your job and volunteer at the church. And this was a big thing because she was finally saying yes to the call of God on her life, which we've never pushed on her. We've just told our kids, whatever God tells you to do, just do that. That's what we're asking. But the Lord spoke to her and she said, I turned in my resignation, Izzy, and I prayed, turn in my resignation, and I'm going to volunteer. And within two weeks, some miraculous things took place. And she is now in the process of getting her business license and will have a business. Miraculous stuff that has more than tripled, quadrupled, maybe even fifth tuple, quintuple, whatever that's called. <laughs> it's been a long time since math. What is it? Quintuple. Quinceanera. <laughs> so that now she has the ability to she still has the ability to volunteer. But she first had to say yes to give up your money, the ability to have a salary. And then God says, I got you covered. Thank you for the obedience. Listen, but it took military intercession on behalf of that girl. But now we're seeing the fruitfulness. There are times where the, the Lord has directed me in seasons where he says, in your prayer time, primarily just pray in the spirit. You're praying the perfect will of God. Just pray in the spirit. But this season, this season he's saying, sing. Sing. Sing over your situations. There's an assignment that I have in my life with young adults. I will see a genuine move of God with young people that is going to affect this nation. I will see it with my eyes. You know what I'm doing over them? I'm singing. As a matter of fact, I shared this message with them before I shared it with our Sunday morning congregation. And we began to sing out how beautiful it is to see a group of young adults singing out to the Lord, experiencing victory in their lives. Your winter's past. But you won't walk in the spring unless you receive that for your life and you begin to sing your way through this season. Worship team, come. What has your winter been? For some of you, it's been your family, your marriage. For some of you, it's your finances. Listen, for some of you, it's the condition of your heart. There are some of you that have been feeling, sensing deep depression. 
to where it's hard to wake up in the morning and get up. For some, it may be broken relationships. I don't know what your winter is. Perhaps you thought you'd be farther in life than you are right now. Perhaps God spoke to you about your ministry call, and yet you feel farther away from it than ever before. I don't know what your winter is, but the God who knows is saying to you, your winter's past. Your winter's past. Your winter's past. The time of singing has come. Would you stand?